Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another week. I'm Aaron Osborne, your host. Um, thanks for tuning in. Uh, this week, my guest is Matt Weston. Uh, Matt has played in a number of bands over the last couple of years. Well, not the last couple, the last while. Uh, Matt plays in The Nation Blue and High Tension. Uh, Matt is also a accomplished filmmaker releasing the documentary last year about the Cosmic Psychos, which was very cool. Um, yeah, and I thought it'd be cool to have Matt on to have a chat to him about <clears throat> the sorts of things that he's worked on, um, you know, since he got into music. He's done a lot of music videos on top of the documentary that he released. He's worked on a lot of film projects. He's obviously played in a lot of bands, done a lot of cool tours and stuff. Um, so yeah, I thought it'd be cool to have him on to have a chat about all those things and you know his relationship with music and his formative years here in Melbourne and things like that so yeah it was a really good chat it was a bit longer than the last couple we done so it's cool to get a another lengthy one in um but yeah uh kind of one of the other reasons that I wanted to do it with Matt was because High Tension have a new album coming out um called Bully it comes out very soon and my band, I Exist, are playing some of their shows for that. Um, so, yeah, the record Bully comes out on the 10th of July, and I Exist are playing with them here in Melbourne the following day at Howler with Outright, and I guess you say it, Yilva, L-Y-L-V-A. They're the opening band. I've not heard them, but apparently they're very good. They are continuing this little run of shows playing... At Crowbar in Brisbane on Friday, 17th of July, and then in Sydney on Saturday, the 18th of July at the Newtown Social Club. So go check them out. High tension are cool. Um, anyway, here's my little chat with Matt Weston from High Tension and The Nation Blue and movies. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. This is the Oblivious Maximus podcast, episode 15 with Matt Weston. Enjoy. Brutal. Brutal. Thank you, Matt Weston, for coming to my podcast. Cheers, Cheers. mate. Um, yeah. Uh, so all of them start with the same question yeah. of how you initially discovered an interest or built an interest in music. Yeah. How did that come about for you? How did it come about for me? I guess my dad had a good collection of records. Yeah. Which haven't really stuck with me. Like it was sort of like he was into Jimi Hendrix and right. Led Zeppelin and that kind of stuff, which yeah. hasn't like, I don't. I don't have like a nostalgic. Yeah. I don't listen to, don't listen to Jimmy anymore, man. No. Yes. Um, but that was huge when I started playing guitar. You know what I mean? That's yeah, like, yeah. But here, trying to learn stairway. Yeah. It's very important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a framework. Um, and like we had the Blues Brothers on VHS, and I was allowed yeah. to watch that when I must have been <laughs> five or six and knew every single word. Yeah, yeah. And had the soundtrack. So, I guess that's probably like the earliest. Yeah. Sort of memory of that music thing and so that did that was that interest instantly that you would want to do it as well or was it no that 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 hadn't 
I'm not sure when that came about. Like, I remember, like, from a, more of a metal sort of perspective. Yeah. That the people that I guess influenced me, there was like a family friend mm-hmm. who we'd visit heat, the, you know, the eldest son. Yes. When I, again, I would have been, you know, maybe seven or eight or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But I'd sneak into his room and he had like, <laughs> um, like floor to ceiling posters of White Lion and Guns N' Roses <laughs> and everything. And so it was, it was just like, a glam legend. This is like, it looked just, just seemed scary. And do you remember mm. that Axel Rose poster where he had his legs crossed and <laughs> looked like he had the just looking crutch cut out of his pants and yeah. like all that, seeing all that stuff, that was like, this, this seems so scary. Yeah. And then letting, like, getting them to play some for me and like hearing it like it's so funny now listening back to records like Poison like at the time I was like this is crazy and now <laughs> and you're now like this, very, very this is on Gold 104 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think it was that kind of stuff or, or like again it was always like it seemed dangerous I think yeah, that, right. the metal side of things Yeah, and it was like I remember a friend's older sister had like she would have been 14 at the time a couple years older than us yeah and it snuck off when Guns N' Roses had come out yeah. to it and played it called a park. Mm-hmm. And while and while she'd snuck out, we'd snuck into her room yeah. and looked inside the vinyl sleeve for GNR Lies, which had a girl with her boobs out. Yeah. And that to what that was like I mean, that Scrounge was the first time I've probably seen a naked woman. <laughs> like, oh my god. Guns N' Roses records. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think you know, between hearing swearing and maybe seeing boobs, I think that's how I got into it sparked really an into music. In but no, I think it would have been that that first the that family friend. Um, yeah. He had an electric guitar. Okay. And getting like him go him being really cool to me and basically going yeah just have you need go. to do this yeah and just not even knowing what to do and then just hounding my parents for a guitar yeah. and not getting one. <laughs> like for years like did guitar lessons yeah. did everything but it was all like until I was able I, I think I got one like years and years later yeah but I'd, I'd had to do everything on an acoustic guitar mm. I had a similar thing in the sense that like well I definitely you know my musical foundation came primarily like similarly like came from my dad and my mum yeah. like the stuff they had and then watching because I lived overseas watching MTV a lot and yeah, right, just yeah. watching MTV heaps and then getting into music videos and things like that. And then after that, when I came to Australia, like my parents got divorced, I was like, well, I fucking hate everybody now. <laughs> so I need to listen to something that's yeah. representing yeah, yeah, this. Yeah. And I was a similar thing. And then at the same time though, I was like playing guitar a lot and I've been playing music like my whole life by direction of my mum. And I remember like, I've just got to learn all these panto riffs on a Yamaha C40 or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. just shredding away on like nylon string guitars yeah, yeah. and stuff. And then doing a similar thing, like I had to, the deal with my mum for me getting a drum kit was doing drum lessons for six months before I could get a drum kit. Yeah, right. Because she needed to know that I would like not just flake on it like I had every other thing I'd ever played yeah. in the past. So you guitar first or drums? I play guitar first. And then was like, I'm sure a lot of people have is in high school when you're in, you try and start a band, yeah. but every single person <laughs> plays acoustic guitar. Yeah. 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 And it's like, oh, so someone's going to buy an electric guitar. Someone's going to play bass. Yeah. One of us has to learn how to sing. Yeah. Who can play drums. Yeah. And then it was like, 
well, I can stay in time, so <laughs> I guess yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, the drummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was how that happened. But it's like it's it's so funny that that's like a common thread for like almost everybody that I talk to about this. So like almost everybody that I meet who plays in bands now is that like oh that's how you got into music was just like bashing away on acoustic guitars. Or yeah, something. totally. Because a friend or some a neighbor or family member or something had a guitar like that too i think yeah it's, it's i feel like i was doing lessons and like pretty much yeah. playing every day for hours like mm. buying guitar world magazine because yeah. of the tabs for the new metallica song we're in it and buying tab books and that was like yeah. what you'd ask for christmas that yeah. kind of stuff until that again it brings back a guy called chris winterburn mm. gave up kind of playing guitar took down the metal posters yeah when he probably you know turned 18 yeah but at that point he lent i was able to borrow probably for like a year or little no would have been early again but i was able to borrow his it's a weird situation he had a crate guitar yeah and a washburn amp which both backwards terrible, terrible <laughs> instruments but washburn, both yeah. known for being guitars or amps not that <laughs> order but when i got you know i got to borrow that so that was the first you know and then bought a distortion pedal and yeah you know, all, all of a sudden all those Metallica songs sounded sick <laughs> <laughs> I've got this great distortion but like what you were saying with you just you started playing drums out of necessity yeah I was a guitarist yeah and played in a bunch of bands up through my teens yeah and then uh, I mean I'm sure you know we'll get deal, with, deal with stuff <laughs> but I, I, I play bass now because the Nation Blue needed a bass player yeah and we became mates and they're like, you want to play bass? I'm like, oh yeah, well, maybe we can swap for a few songs. <laughs> and I remember Tom's like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, never touch the guitar nope, again. Nope. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Um, so, okay, where did, like what, after you sort of started bashing around on the crate guitar yeah. and things, when did like playing in bands become an, like, uh, you know, a desire that you had, something you wanted to chase after? I think we're doing... We had the crappy school band mm-hmm. and um, that wasn't much of a thing but my best mate played bass yeah we were going to all ages shows at the Central Club Hotel in Richmond yeah and you know the second you start playing an instrument the word spreads pretty quickly that yeah you know oh apparently you play drums or you do whatever you do yeah we found a drummer this um, girl Jill mm-hmm. who turns out to be the craziest drummer playing double kick and yeah, nailing cool. stuff we got a band together really quick yeah it would have been like 14 15 booked the battle of the bands at the doncaster well, doncaster battle of the bands yeah and um nervous as crap yeah and for, as far as first gigs go we had we did a photo shoot for like the local paper <laughs> i think we were called Nor- we named ourselves nausea which but, yeah. it turns out to be a band this, anyway. Yes. Everyone's band is already a name. Yep. Even High Tension. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I remember we got, after the photo shoot, the, the, the counsellor type dude running the, running the Battle of the Bands had yeah. said, God, this is just trying to be like the biggest industry, industry dude ever. Yeah. Going, so guys, I've got a gig for you. as a warm up. And he goes, um, and it was a, a party, an afternoon social for the Down Syndrome School in Doncaster. Yeah. And we were like, a gig? 
that's awesome. Like, yeah, and then the heart starts beating. <laughs> and he's like, I've got a figure for you. I'm going to write it down. And I remember, oh like, and I fully, and it, it wasn't until you sort of reflect on it now that you go, you dickhead. <laughs> and he, he wrote it down on some paper and slid it across the table. It was like 140 bucks. And yeah. we were like, whoa. He was just living out every like music industry yeah. story he'd ever totally. heard of. So that was our, that was our first gig. Yeah. And it was rad. That's sick. <laughs> like terrified. <laughs> terrified. Yeah. And, um, learned five songs, played five songs, then played the same five again. Oh, wow. And, you know. Yeah. Nailed it. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I think we had a similar thing where the first show I ever played... So how were you, your I first band? I was... I guess I was in year nine. Yeah. I suppose. So what, what's that? Fifteen? No. Fourteen? Yeah. And we played at... Maybe it was in year eight. I can't remember. But I was... Um, we played at like the at an assembly at school, oh, God. and it was like, like I remember thinking like to all of you know the guys in the band who were my four best friends, like, yeah. like this is everything's gonna change after <laughs> this assembly, you know, like my life's gonna be so. You like visualizing different. crowd surfing like, yeah. through the. Yeah. And I remember just like, I think we played like two songs, probably played like a Rage Against the Machine cover yeah. and like the one song that we wrote, and I remember it being like. You know, I think like our cool music teacher who like like wore Melvin shirts to school yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, right. He was a legend, but he like he introduced us being like really enthusiastic about us doing it and then we played and then it was just like <laughs> got on the stage and I remember thinking like oh, we fucking did it yeah. boys, like we've done it. Yeah. And then, you know, go, get girlfriends. Yeah, go out and sit down and no one cared. Like yeah, everyone yeah, was yeah. like the fuck we're gonna get out of this smelly hall in <laughs> Canberra, please. Yeah, that's amazing. I think everyone has like an awesome first experience. I too. and I remember the first show we ever played at a youth center was a similar thing where I remember thinking like, like this is the you know the assembly was one thing, the youth center, yeah, the, the public are there, like yeah. they're not forced to sit there in uniform, like yeah, yeah, they have yeah, to, yeah, yeah. they had to pay to get in here, and the same thing uh, you know after it was like I'm sure everybody who was older than 14 was like why are these kids playing Rage Against the Machine songs that's amazing on a Friday night at 7 o'clock in yeah. Woden like but yeah um, I feel like from that point on and you probably feel a bit the same like the expectation just continues to be to drop and even yeah, when yeah. situations like massive shows happen yeah um, like the Nation Blue played with the Foo Fighters yeah. after the Foo Fighters tour. Yeah. We booked a show at the old bar just to go, like, is it, there's going to be a queue down the block. <laughs> we didn't even sell it out. Like, yeah. we did, it was just fine. But yeah. it was like, nothing changed. No, nothing changes. It. As much you spend all your money on marketing, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Nothing changes. It's just going to be the same. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't I think, I mean, I think the, one of the best things about, like, doing i guess band, like alternative music i think it keeps you like so grounded to that as well where yeah, like yeah. you know like i don't like doing it anymore but i'm aware that like every now and then because <clears> i'm <throat> in a hardcore band i'm gonna have to play a youth center <laughs> and when <laughs> yeah, i get there yeah. i'm like <sighs> here we are again here we go <laughs> you find there's always one person that'll chat to you and you go all right yeah that's, 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 yeah. that's okay, okay. <laughs> yeah 
Some eight-year-old kid snuck in with his dad and he just blew his mind. Yeah. Like, ah, That's the hope. Don't <laughs> um, make me do it again. Yeah. So when... So from that, obviously, I assume you went through another... That was it. Of, <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was the end. Um, was there, like, I assume you went through a number of different school-based bands and things like kind that? Of what, it was nothing to do with schoolmates. Yeah. And it kind of happened out, like it was, it was all dudes that were in different schools or whatever it might have mm-hmm. been. But it was fun because like when I was sick, my parents were really supportive of, yeah. of that and they would drive me to gigs. And like I played a goo on the night before my English exam in <laughs> Melbourne. Like if you don't know that, it's like a Thursday night yes. nightclub. So I was allowed to play at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, and then sick. my dad picked, mum or dad picked me up, picked yeah. us up and you know, drove the gear home. Yeah, we were playing so at the good. art house. Yeah, yeah. You know, probably played there eight times before I turned 18. That's sick. And that kind of, I think that sort of, having that freedom or at least a justification, I never really did anything to give my parents a reason to think that, like, you know, if we're playing a gig, yeah, that's fine, you know? Like, yeah, sure. You're there for an hour before you play and then pretty much you jump yeah. straight in the car and it's... It's fine. And you're not so, doing anything bad when you're there. You're just nah, playing. Nah. But the, the other weird thing that happened, um, I guess from a music perspective that sort of set things up was at, when I was 16, you did work experience, right? Yeah. I'm sure you did. Yes, I did. At a what did you do? Store. Music store? <laughs> yeah. Just that? or I did, well, I, it's different in Canberra because in Canberra you go to two schools for high school. You do to year 10 and then yeah. you go to another school for year 11 and 12. Right. And so I did it at a music store in year 10 and then in year 12 you do it again, but I got a job at the music store, so I just used my work as yeah, my yeah, work yeah. experience. Yeah. And I and I went to a I went to a studio for like a day or two, I can't remember. But yeah, right. Similar thing. I just yeah, yeah, like yeah. only wanted to work in music. That's yeah, all yeah, I wanted great. to do. But well, I hit up every record label that I had bought records by. Yeah. One of which was Rubber Records, a local mm-hmm. label that had a band called Recane on it, yep. which was a band that I really liked. And worked there. I had the best time ever, even mm. though I was pretty much, you know, packaging up CDs, like putting the trays in. Yeah, yeah. And ordering the David Vodica, the guy that runs its bloody um, receipts. I'm like, I'm <laughs> working to get the music. I made it. Yeah. It was just, it's just so exciting, even though... <laughs> You know, you got, I got a couple of free records and got you got paid five bucks for the week or five bucks a day or something yeah, like that. I think it's five dollars a day. Yeah. But sort of through that, I then got introduced to Rakane, a band that I really liked. Yeah. And, and to this day, I'm best mates with the bass player. Yeah, right. Who kept, you know, sort of helped me move into the bass world when I changed for guitar, played gigs with them at Goo and that kind of thing. So Yeah, sick. <clears throat> that was kind of funny. And then in the second week, I'd gotten a a week work experience at Studio RBX, which yeah. was the recording studio across the road from the Central Club Hotel where all the all ages shows uh, okay, right. used to happen on yeah. in um, Richmond. And that that one I was real excited about because I was mucking around at school with trying to learn recording and mm-hmm. everything was music at that point. Yeah. And um, it turned out that the assistant engineer was this typical grumpy, hates everyone kind of dude. Yeah. And was kind of giving me, not giving me a hard time, but just giving me nothing like, oh, here's another work experience kid. <laughs> anyway, it turned out <clears throat> he was the drummer from 
Headcase, a okay. band that I'd seen a bunch of times at the art house and yeah. at all ages shows. Sure. And didn't fanboy out, but when he's, I'm like, oh, you know, what do you do? He's like, oh, I'm playing Bangkok Headcase. Like, yeah. You, you never heard of You've it. never heard of it. And I'm like, oh, I love this song and I, love, I have your record. He was like, ah, oh, cool. <laughs> anyway, so from that, pers- you know, at that point, definitely not now, but at that point, I'm yeah. like, you know, if I'm allowed to plug a lead in, yeah. like, this is awesome. And just watching all that stuff unfold, I yeah. was, I, you know, I, I was just stoked to be there. Yeah. But anyway, so things were going well. The receptionist kind of production manager, whatever, got along well with her as well. And she's like, hey, there's a big session happening during the week. Do you want to stay back if you're allowed? You know, yeah. like it's a night recording session till midnight or something like that. Yeah. So I got permission and it was for air supply. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, which meant nothing to me at the time and yeah. still essentially does mean yeah. nothing to me. It's not like it was John Farnham or something, yeah. but um, I got to hang out and that just... With a real man. Yeah, with a real bit sitting stuff. in it, yeah. watching them. Yeah. They're just, they just in town with a day off before Hey Hey It's Saturday, working on a new single. <laughs> and like, to me, that was amazing. Like, just yeah. to kind of be around that and kind well, of help out a little bit. That's seeing, you know actual workings of the world that yeah, totally. be, were becoming a part of totally but i guess the good thing was that they saw in me a stoked little you know dude that had no interest in money or no understanding that you would be paid for something like this yeah. yes and that if the dude that plays the electric cello needs some chamomile tea yeah i'll sprint to woolworths <laughs> i'll get that chamomile and i'll tea. bring it back and just i'll think <laughs> like, you know that's what you just want to be involved yeah so after that a couple of uh, we then went back and demoed with my band we did our demo there yeah and sort of stayed in touch and i got offered uh, i got asked like this big sort of setup question and basically like they've put in a recommendation for me if i want to become the the head engineer's leaving the dude from Headcase is going to be main engineer. Yeah. There's a position coming up for assistant engineer. Yeah, cool. I would have to leave school and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. <clears throat> that, this, that became the whole issue and discussion point and like whatever's going to happen. Yeah. Of course, as those decisions started to become made, the whole digital uh, home studio thing started to happen. And right. before the end of the year, that studio caved in. Really? Exactly. So, thank God, because <laughs> otherwise you may I'd be have still, I'd be mixing it. Um, uh, yeah, I'd be mixing at the Richmond Tavern <laughs> before Parma, the Parmigiana tray yeah. comes out or something like that. So that's crazy. That's, that's kind cool of story, though. That's that was, like, uh, yeah, but and and sort of from there, yeah. my world sort of turned to video. Which yeah, right. Um, so through seeing those processes and everything, sort of, I guess after that, my so that was probably year 10 and that kind of stuff so year 11 really became like you know you started making short films at school yeah yeah right and I made I made I'd finished mine in March and then helped everyone finish theirs yeah right and then you know as the years passed start sort of delving into music video world so did that when obviously that was a you know a, an interest that was at the time was it totally separate to music was that just like you had your interest in music and that, and then there was video production was on like totally separate from it. Or do you think that you got into that because of music as well? Like, was that something that led you down well, that I, far? I don't, it was totally separate and it never like it, 
right now that's my job like yeah. I, I make I'm a director that's yeah. my that's my gig which is kind of funny to say <laughs> it's weird <laughs> but um, it's cool um, <laughs> but you know I've been doing that for 15 years now yeah and I don't think I think it's been at least, you know 10 years ago I got made 10 bucks on it like that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think it, because of the music thing yeah that's how it happened I think after high school I um I guess uh to keep the timeline going mm. what's the I guess yeah jumping around a bit okay. I I moved in with the berserker yeah you know the berserker yes, from earache yeah. industrial death metal Fucking, I don't know if I still have it but I used to <laughs> love their DVD right so that just became a mutual friend yeah. that I'd met he'd came down helped out do, doing some sound on a short crappy short film yeah that I'd I made mm-hmm. again with the singer from Headcase, like small stupid world. <laughs> and I've, I've just think I just threw out the master just so that no one ever gets to see it because it's extremely embarrassing. But yeah. you, these things happen. There you go. Um, yeah, I ended up moving in with the Berserker in Nunawati mm-hmm. and got on like a house on fire. He's signed to Earache, going on tour with Napalm Death and Carcass and all these bands. Yeah. Doing everything from his crappy, well, not crappy, but like home studio yeah, yeah. is full digital and all this kind of thing so our weekends and hanging out was just making stupid songs recording stuff staying up till five o'clock in the morning yeah yeah and he had to make a music video for re- i think it was reality like the yeah. first album that he he got a crappy little budget from um earache and sort of through that because i'd done all this i'd loved doing that stuff in high school and then wanted to go to uni excuse me <clears throat> for that kind of stuff and yeah didn't get in yeah. <laughs> so I made it my life's mission to stick it right up and do it anyway. Um, that I guess those became the project. So I did the helped him muck around on the reality reality clip, yeah, which well, I, 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 I just helped him out with that. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I'd I think around that time, I I may have bought Fuller's Bedford van, yes. Fuller from Blood Duster. Yeah. But anyway, he'd gone. Hey, you make clips, don't you? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. He's like, can you make a clip for Blood Duster? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and that was my first, my first music video was Porn Store Stiffy for, so funny. for Blood Duster. And for that, I bought an iMac, the first, one of the first iMacs, which was the all-in-one, yeah, the big, big sort of, looks like a motorbike helmet kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And I, I, all my, everything that I'd learned at school was all two VHS decks and like a, and a little machine that you typed in time code and yeah right crazy like kind of the yeah the video difference but like if it was 10 years before you'd be cutting film Cut with, a, yeah, yeah. with a blade so i kind of learned digital video editing <coughs> just editing that yeah right clip. crazy and then you know do that my mate brett who i met through rubber records yeah joined warped they got sure. signed they needed to make a video yeah right a clip for warped their label then starts just giving me everything. So that's, I never made any money from any of it. But yeah. It was basically that, that, you know, when I reflect on it, that was like having a film school for me because it was yeah, yeah. through music. I was just making music videos and got heaps of them at the time because I was playing in bands and was friends with dudes. You, just, and wasn't, you, you knew the people and they... Well, yeah. And I, I was only working in the world that I liked and the band, the go, for the bands that I would go and see their gigs... Yeah. So it wasn't like if I'm having a pitch, I'm pitching to people that I know, not I'm not the art student going 
you know, there's a sad clown yeah. doing this and, you know, then you've got co- concept yeah, here for you guys. Yeah, it's about you trying to jump off a bridge and, yeah, yeah like, that kind of crap. So. Yeah, right. So, when, um, going back slightly, was there, what was the, like, when you finished school, what was your, what was the plan for you when you finished school? Like, what, what was in your head? Because, I mean, I know for me... <laughs> Like, I did so badly in year 11 and 12 because I was like, I'm just going to play death metal forever. Sick. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I'm going to make enough money to live off. Yeah. And I'm going to have a family yeah. off death metal. And yeah. then, you know, I spent, I think, like a month after I finished school where my mom was like, you need to get a job. And I was like, okay, got a job at the childcare center my sister went to. And then I was like, oh... You can't live off death metal. <laughs> you have to have a job. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, no. So, oh, unless you invented death metal, you yeah, can't yeah, live yeah. off it anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you can't. Um, yeah. What, what was what well, was think the, the ba- end of school for you? What did that bring forth? The band that I was in, Citizen Waste, oh, um, ended. That all that sort of stuff ended, like you like year 11 then in year 12 we got a new singer and that kind of era of the band stuff ended Mm -hmm. so it wasn't so much wanting to be playing gigs but i then got then i was focused on i'm gonna make movies right okay not that i had like i made a short film and did whatever i was i didn't i didn't believe that i needed a job right yes money's just money's shit man yeah (laughs) who needs that Yeah, yeah yeah um and then so I went fruit picking with some friends. Yeah. Like, hey, we're going to go to Tassie. You can make, you know, a crap load of money compared to the 20 bucks I'm making pulling staples out of files at my dad's office yeah. on school holidays. <laughs> and that seemed like an adventure. I'd never <coughs> been to Tasmania. Yeah. So I went down to Tassie. And at the time, uh, through some, you know, friends, I had an old, a bit of an older group of friends just from doing gigs and yeah, yeah. you know as soon as I no, yeah, well, no, that's, that's a, bit further, a bit bit later but anyway um, yeah and I'll, some dudes needed some 7 inch records to be delivered to the Nation Blue in Hobart to sure. do a bit of a you know the old distro before the internet yeah, yeah, yeah. talking sort of 99 1999 yeah. pre Y2K yeah <laughs> um, and I, th- I think I'd seen them play Nation Blue play when they played at the Empress or something like that sure. in Fitzroy at some point but yeah anyway part we went down to pick some fruit like an hour south of Hobart yeah and it hooked up and said hey you know got a, got the phone number got some records from Spirit of the Empathet which will mean something to maybe two people like, <laughs> a, like an old emo screamo band from back then sure and we're going to drop some seven inches off so Dude's like, yeah, cool. We're going to go meet at the vegetarian restaurant in Hobart. Very cool. Like, this is sweet. Yeah. We're going to have a big night. Made the big drive into Hobart to meet Dan, the drummer. Yeah. From um, the Nation Blue. And he's sitting outside the restaurant. Yeah. With his, I think it was his girlfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. And they've both got their takeaway plastic containers ready. And we're like, oh, hey, man. He's like, oh, hey, how you going? Thanks heaps for bringing the records. Yeah. How long are you in town? Like, ah, oh, you know, like a couple months or whatever. Yeah. It's like, oh, cool. I'll catch you later. <laughs> walked off. And we're like, 
Oh, like, like this is our big first social night, <laughs> yeah. And we kind of got the awkward Dan McKay, who um, <laughs> awkward Dan McKay changed very much so, yes, uh, in the, later on. But anyway, but uh, I think he'd also said that, that the nation we were playing the week later, yeah, or that weekend or something like that, and they put us on the door. Mm-hmm. So we we had dinner and we're like, that was weird, yeah. <laughs> It's a weird situation. A strange occurrence. Yeah, it's nice. How good are Hobart people? Yeah. Um, so anyway, we come, we pop back in on the Friday night and we go, I think it was called a place called Juice mm-hmm. Nightclub or something like One that. One of those types of places. Which, incidentally, if you've been to Dark Mofo, is the smaller venue behind the Odeon okay. where they have the night, the late night party. Because, okay. yeah, we, High Tension played there last, at Dark Mofo last year. Yeah, right. And, Finished. We were supporting the Bronx. It was part one of the off the Bronx tour, and Pop Brown to see like um, Sun O side project thing, and yeah, yeah. And someone was like, you know, this is where. The, I was like, oh, I fucking saw the Nation Blue here. <laughs> so we here. turn up, and and in contrast, in contrast to meeting Dan, mm. we get to the front door. You know, there's three people waiting to pay. Tom darts out. Yeah hand open to shake hands he's like oh you guys you guys the guys from Melbourne yeah oh hey God, come, come straight in come straight in <laughs> and it's just the most friendliest welcoming yeah sure dude and so oh, Dan's over here Dan just gives us this like little, <laughs> like acknowledging nod like hey man <laughs> yeah which you know to us was like what a cool like I don't know if he's the coolest dude ever or he's a total dick yeah but as it turns out he's just really awkward yeah <laughs> But Tom totally made up for it and got on like a house on fire. They played for like an hour and a half and yeah, it, was right. a, it was awesome. It was funny. So yeah. um, from there, we, me and Tom got on really well. I hated fruit picking. Oh, fruit picking was fine, but mm-hmm. then we'd get into Hobart and you know, you'd know you go to a junk store and you'd be able to get every Wu-Tang side project CD for like two bucks. Yeah. Like, this is awesome. And then you go eat here and then I'd, we'd check in with Tom and go play basketball or something yeah. like that. And then it was, it was hard for me. It was hard to then go, all right, let's, <laughs> let's like, yeah, like stand, like sit up till three in the morning, talking crap, listening to records. Yeah. And then it's, Oh, let's go back and get up at five in the morning. And <laughs> it's, it's two degrees outside. And yeah, fuck, that's weird. so, um, after that, fast forward, I don't know if it was six months or whatever, mm. they moved over. Yeah. Bass player didn't want to make his way over. Yeah. So I got the phone call from Tom saying, do you want to, do you want to join? Yeah, right. I think because they'd asked Brett again, my mate sure. from, who played in Regain. Yeah. And he was busy doing the warp stuff. Yeah. And recommended me, even though I'd never played bass before. Yeah. So, yeah. A skill you didn't even know and you was, had. <laughs> and then uh, they were living at a first floor apartment on the corner of Albion Street and Sydney Road. Yeah. Opposite the pub there that is called something that has good street to Nero anyway good story yeah they lived up yeah. there Dan lived there as well oh Edinburgh at, Castle Edinburgh Castle yeah. and um yeah so I'd go there to hang out and talk about like learn some songs you know play records yeah that we would have gotten from Damien from Building Records yeah right um you know, have you heard of this band Refused? Yeah. I think, oh, actually, no, that, I don't think that had even come out. I think the first Dillinger escape plan under the running board or whatever. Yeah. One of those 
the first few things like just comparing a few records and mm. um, hanging out and of course me and Tom were hanging out Dan's gone to have a nap yeah. <laughs> like Being his weird it was up. weird for a few years and then he really I cracked him it was, that was <laughs> fine um, but yeah that then then that all started so yeah, right. that was, and so by that point were you already like was that in the stage where you'd already started delving into music videos and stuff yeah, I think by that point, I'd just moved in with Berserker. Okay. And then that <clears throat> that was a funny clash because Dan and Tom's big brother kind of mentor from Tassie yeah. was Sloth, who is Magic Dirt's mixer. Okay. And set up Head Gap Studios. He's now out of it. Yeah, he's, right. a, he's a weightlifter. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> um, amongst other things. But... Um, and in my opinion, the best drummer in Australia. He was in Little Ugly Girls. I don't know if you've ever checked them out, but, um, and that was that real staunch, stubborn, very tazzy attitude of, you know, this way or nothing. If you like sure. anyone else, you shit. Yeah. Like <laughs> the tazzy scene, no one's allowed to sound anything like anyone else, and it's kind of this cool, yeah. little world that, you know, is not in- influenced by anything in some ways. Yeah. Or at least that era of tazzy stuff that. I was aware of. Yeah. Um, but they, particularly through listening to Brent, were analog, 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 yeah, analog, okay. digital sucks. Even if you could hear it, it's just that, you know, yeah. I know this and therefore that. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, I'm hanging out with Berserker. He's just making, making records Making sick house. songs. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, making rap songs about my Bedford van that we just painted <laughs> and having the best time ever. <coughs> and, um having that clash because like as part of the first um uh, nation blue record actually was that one on damn nation oh, cool story so far no <laughs> idea about any dates thing, dates and things but there was a situation where i had to do my vocal part i think this was on the damn nation record uh-huh. um live me and tom can play we've we've done a six-week tour with not many but yeah <laughs> we've done a six-week tour where we've done wednesday to sunday could do two shows a night voice is fine yeah, yeah like sure. no technique no understanding of how to warm up or whatever just voice is fine yeah get in the studio it's a disaster sing for 20 seconds yeah. can't talk voice yeah. is gone dead yeah. terrible right thing. yeah and so i did that damnation record blew my throat out yeah and then have to and i do the screamy stuff in the nation blue yeah so that doesn't work when you don't <laughs> so they at the end of recording I'd scheduled to go to America for a gig like a filming yeah. gig and it kind of got to a point where they were going through the recording and all this sort of stuff mm. and none of anything that I'd done was usable because yeah, right. it was thin and raspy and out. you know yeah. it's like I don't have technique but there's whatever I, my there's voice normally sounds like yeah. It's Whatever the first word sounded like that they recorded, it didn't have that that intensity alone. So I had to push back the start date of the American or the overseas gig. Yeah. And the only solution was to jump into Berserker Studio where I was comfortable. Yes. And did it digitally. Yeah. And that's what rescued that. And we'd done demos for that or then jumping back a record, the first record, we'd done all our demos with Berserker. Yeah. Digitally. And We'd got him to Nigel from Mindsnap. 
Yeah. And he thought that was a record. He's like, this is sick. I'm going to put them out. Yeah. But Dad and Tom are like, no way. That's, nah, that's, that's just, no, that's just, no, that's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. And it's, ta- it's, we dug them out about three or four years ago when we re, the day we did a re-release of the, yeah, yeah. the vinyl. And thankfully with time, went back to the um, demos that we did, you know, on a 12th or Pro Tools, yeah, yeah. whatever. And they're like, fuck, this sounds sick. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's, I mean, I understand, like, I'm all about digital. Yeah. Because if, you know, unless you can hear it. Yeah. Why not go with the way to, that it is to make it easier? Yeah. Like, run all the analog um, things you can do, record it digitally, dump it down the tape, bring it back in. Yeah, yeah. But if, you know, I mean, I feel a bit like that with film too. Like, that's yeah. that's an issue. Film's totally dead, essentially, now. Yeah. But I don't, like, when it comes down to it, you know, it then, I think, becomes a subjective discussion where you're going... I think a lot of what you're hearing or seeing is in your gut. It's not. Yeah, I it's think not so an too. actual thing. Like vinyl, it sounds sick when it's on vinyl. Yeah, like, you can't deny that. But yeah. most of the time, someone's record player sucks. Yeah, and you're it. like, "This is cool. Let's go listen in the car." Oh, I can't. Like, okay, well, digital's not bad when you want to listen to something in the car. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people hold that. I mean, I I know for sure coming from a similar, well, not a similar uh, background in that sense, but a similar headspace where when I started playing in bands with people who wanted to do like proper recordings, yeah. they're like, oh, well, we've got to do it analog because every band we're ripping off did it analog. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, but, <clears throat> you know, also that was 25 years ago when they yeah. recorded that. They probably would have recorded it digitally had they had the opportunity, yeah, yeah, like yeah, the option yeah, yeah. to do it that yeah. way. Um, and, you know, like I, I just, it's one of those, I think it's sort of, it, it's, it is really subjective. Yeah. It's so much like, you know, I think a lot of people often go, oh, I don't like digital because they just, that's the decision they've made. Yeah. It's Cause, not. Because someone I respect, like, because I like Albini and he says no. Yeah. And that's fine. That in their defense though, now that I think of it, I also think in, Dan recorded his drums on a digital eight track mm-hmm. and then we did whatever. Yeah. I think Berserker replaced snares and kicks yeah with analog clean takes yeah which essentially you know and then it becomes that science of like you've hit you've but it's replaced you know with something else yeah it's yeah. made it sound better because it needed to be fixed yeah sure. but you know what's the what's the go there and then the absolute yeah. torture of going through recording on analog the, the way we did the first record yeah um you know it was a nightmare with Sloth, who recorded our first record, yeah, um, and first two records, you know, he was doing like a forty-eight hour mixing session on an old PC, yeah. and it's crashing, and yeah, yeah. As a result, some of it's bumped out of sync. Like the vocals mm. are just a Perfect. bit late. <laughs> yeah. and, that, and again, that's that thing of going, wh- why? Yeah, you know, why did we do it like this? I mean, that I think a lot of that as well. I'm sure is down to doing. You know, our budget was probably a grand yeah. <laughs> for something that took six weeks. And, yeah. You know, on a, on a PC in two thousand and the year two thousand or something like that. <laughs> it's just so, a disaster to do anything on, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's you know, like, but, and at the same time, like doing the blood duster clip. Yeah. Do it pressing render. Yeah. You go to sleep for two hours, and then you work out what you've just cut. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> 
Uh, I'm gonna open this beer real quick. Yeah. Oh, you got one. <laughs> I didn't even have to get up. Thank you. Can you um tell what the logo is on that bottle opener? You know where that's from? No. What is it? It's it's from the vegan hot dog stand in Brisbane oh. near the crowbar. Let's <laughs> get a dog up. That there. used to be in the bar at one point. Mm. I don't think that worked. No. It's hard to look cool in a hot dog one? in a pub. Do you want me to open it? No, I'm still nursing this guy. Okay. Um, Thank you. Uh, yeah, it is. That is funny. I remember one time looking out while we were playing, and there was a guy with a hot dog cart going past, and I was like, and I remember everyone's attention just going, <laughs> and then you're like, stop watching the hot dog guy. Come on, <laughs> we're doing something up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah anyway, um, so. So from then, like, what were the, what were the types of things? Like you said, you went over to America for a filming thing. What were the types of things that you were getting proper work on? Um, it never felt like proper work, but in doing the music video thing and it kind of ramping up. Yeah. Um, I did a twenty eight days DVD. Yep. Which was a bonus DVD that came with one of the records. Okay. And I did a music video that I don't that isn't one of the memorable ones. Sure, wasn't ripped it up. No. So, no. who cares? Yeah, so, <laughs> so tough shit. Um, but their manager, uh, Diane from Blue Murder, mm-hmm. well, yeah, so Nation Blue's doing every Blue Murder tour. We're the most annoying, we must have been the most annoying band. Because <laughs> any touring band, That's touring band. Blue Murder, um, which I, actually, that and that probably came through Nigel from Mind Snare as well. Yeah. Like, they were essentially looked after. I think I believe they pretty much looked after mind snare in some perspective. Sure, but we well, had to work for them for a while as well. Well, that would be, yeah, that would be yeah. the thing. Um, yeah, so we did every tour, like we toured with Hot Water Music three times and yeah, all that, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So the yeah, so the um, Diane from Blue Murder then took on management of the Dropkick Murphys. Okay. So I get a call saying. Hey, do you want to come to America and do a DVD for the Dropkick Murphys and like shoot their Vans Warp tour? Yeah, I've never been overseas and yeah, wow. I'm like, fuck yeah! I mean, that sounds <laughs> make that happen. Yeah, yeah. And had no idea about how it would work or what I should ch- like. You know, there's money attached. Like, yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was basically your flights are covered. You've got accommodation and meals, you know, because it's catered on those tours. Yeah, yeah. Accommodation and meals the whole time. Come over a few days early, stay on my couch. And, you know, I think there was a couple of grand in there to buy a camera or, you know, something like yeah, that. Yeah, So I got to go do that, which was awesome. First, yeah, yeah first trip overseas, first... Yeah, crazy. First time, it was like 64 shows in 65 days or something crazy like that. Mental. Um, so did all the vans warp, you know, went to LA for the first time, went to New York and yeah. everywhere in between. And, um, yeah, so that, that was the first one. Yeah, and then cool. kind of kept going back every year after that. Got to do some music videos over in LA yep. off the back of stuff, helped all the Aussies, Aussie barbecue people out doing some video for a few year, years at South by Southwest and, yep. um, yeah. And then. Just recently got to tour the Cosmic Psychos movie that I made yeah, yeah. through the States, which was 
Sick. Sick. And was that that was in conjunction? Well, that was in conjunction with them touring there as well, was it not? Yeah, it was kind of a. We did it as a. The the that was essentially the support act. Okay, right. So you'd watch the gig, you'd watch the movie, then the band would come out and play. Oh, that's sick. Which was cool. That's a nice one. Yeah, it wasn't my. Um, I think if you've got any, in the same way as all of us who playing bands and record a record, we have this visualization that whatever your favorite venue is, it's going to be full. Yes. And you're going to crowd surf all the way back through the end of the room <laughs> with your guitar on going, yeah, this is all worth it. And it never happens. <laughs> and in a film sense, you all, you assume that you're going to walk the red carpet to a sold out. Yes. Every time. <laughs> cinema. Yeah. And no one goes to the cinemas. So yeah, there's a, it played at a few, at a few cinema screens, mm-hmm. but yeah, it yeah. wasn't very busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Alright, well, now that that has been raised, let's discuss how that came about for you. What was the plan of that? Obviously, you liked the Cosmic Psychos a lot. Oh, fuck. I knew nothing about them. Oh, really? <laughs> and I thought they sucked. <laughs> so, I guess the, the lead into that was... Um, I, I'm now like seven years deep into another film project that yeah. got hot, then got cold then got picked up and then got dropped Yeah, for a whole bunch of reasons that is another whole podcast. Yes. <laughs> but um, essentially when that one got put on ice, I've sort of moved out of music video world into more what they call content and advertising. So, yep. you know, people people now want ads to play on YouTube and sure. if, you know, I've gotten to do weird stuff with... That sounds... Pretty sus. <laughs> the um, weird stuff. Yeah, like I get to do the weird stuff, like yeah. um, with the music video background and mm-hmm. whatever. So that don't do music short videos format as much. Type short format, weird little mini doco stuff. Things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you've done all the behind the scenes videos for all the bands, yeah, you know, you're kind of learning how to do a little behind the scenes, little mini doco stuff. Sure, just sure. been through regional New South Wales interviewing farmers who nearly died yeah right okay <laughs> it's like oh yeah i'd made a psycho stocker so that's why you think that i know what i'm doing yeah, yeah. i can talk to bloody good aussie blacks and <laughs> they won't go oh you're from sydney like um so yeah so but the main production assistant sort of makeup artist person that's been my like sidekick on a lot of productions yeah is the daughter of the drum from the cosmic psychos okay and in the process of working with her have become very friendly with the family and that kind of stuff sure. and her mum drummer's wife essentially was taking on management duties right management's a bit more like babysitting because okay. they're useless <laughs> but she'd said ah oh, you should do a um, you know like I knew that I wanted to find a project straight away to dive into so that I didn't get all sad yeah <laughs> about the other project yeah sure. getting put on ice Knowing good and well that no movies come out without, you know, no good movies come out without sort of having to sort of sit for 10 years somewhere. Yeah, know, yeah. Like brooding. So that she'd suggested that and out of politeness, I kind of said, you know, I immediately thought Bandoco, I can't think of anything more boring. Yeah. Because I think around the time a bunch of Bandocos had come out and yeah. I, you know, maybe a tough judge, but hadn't other than being a fanboy of some bands there hadn't been much that i've been impressed with sure unless it's just a massive fluke 
as yeah, far yeah. as like um, like the Foo Fighters doco, for example. Yeah. It was a stinker. And it just felt like, to me, it was an ad for the new record. Yeah, 100% was. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, you know what I mean? You know when you feel yuck watching it? You're yeah, like, yeah. You, this isn't a... This doesn't feel like you're telling me a heartfelt story now. This feels like you're shifting me over to go, hey, how cool is this new song? Yeah. So anyway, out of, yeah, out of politeness, I said, you know, I think there was a few highlights that I've been told. Like, you should do a duck on the psychos. We've got footage of them in a van with Nirvana. Yeah. I'm like, well, I'm embarrassed to say, but don't really care either. Yeah. I was a Pearl Jam kid. Yeah. I never really <laughs> cared about Nirvana. Yeah. And I also know that footage of a band hanging out in a van with another band yeah. isn't enough to keep 90 minutes yeah. flowing. This isn't going to fill the cinema. Exactly. So I kind of heard a few, you know, a few story beats and then uh, I think um, Nation Blue had won an Air Award. Yeah. Great. Um, over Amity Affliction. Suck it. Um, yeah. And were asked back the next year so we were at the air awards psychos had put out a record and we're going to that thing so kim had said come and meet ross and have a chat yeah i'm like okay cool so i had dan in tow who had since turned into a very lovely friendly guy by this <laughs> and, a, and a solid best mate and um dan from nation blue and um got introduced to ross mm-hmm. kind of knew a few stories but as with everyone that's ever met him started having a chat and it's like he's the hilarious like he's just the greatest storyteller yeah and he he was nailing these brilliant like little anecdotes that i'd sort of been told he's just telling these hilarious stories about meeting eddie vetter for the first time and eddie vetter just being stoked on him yeah yeah going oh went to take him to all these record stores (coughs) and ross is sort of like i don't really i don't really give a shit about this i saw you got a baseball mitt in the back you want to go and have a hit yeah. so I went and played tennis and went and played baseball and all that you know what I mean yeah, like, that kind sick. of stuff yeah. that you're like that's not this what is you just say interesting. but that's awesome yeah. that's, the, that's not the way it normally goes Yeah. and it's those hilarious fish out of water stories that you know also based on the fact that he's a brilliant storyteller yeah um, and then I had Dan next to me the whole time with jaw hanging out yeah and then, you know, and then on the way home going, oh my God, how funny was that? Yeah, how yeah. cool was that? So it's like, first meeting was like, okay, I'm in love with the dude. That, yeah. So many funny stories, like great pub anecdote sort of stories. Maybe I'll just go film him and see what happens. Yeah, sure. Like never that commitment, always that like, look, it's going to be real fun to go hang out with him. Sure. Get some stuff down on tape. Did that, went hung out started with sort of knew some beats knew knew there was some awkward things that had happened with the band so, you know like there's a, a their guitarist died of a heroin overdose there yeah. was some weird discussions about their original drummer maybe ripping them off so yeah. knew some of that stuff but thought I'll start light see where we go sure and um, see if there's a story there okay and of course every time he talks just something else unfolded yeah. And it sort of happened from there that I sort of became a bit obsessed. Not not obsessed, but I'm like, this could be a good thing to, this has got to happen to, wow, this keeps getting more and more amazing. Yeah, sure. And, you know, at the same time, he's, he's living out in uh, like an hour and a half north of Melbourne. Yeah. So I'd crash there. 
and so we finished you know we filmed for like an hour and a half sit down talk like this with the camera just but with just with the camera on yeah and just let him go yeah and camera would go off we'd hang out we'd smash a few bottles of wine mm. from his farm that he's <laughs> made yeah whatever you call that yeah he made wine anyway um and you know <laughs> really he, he started learned to trust me and you know I got a bit more of a, a an understanding of him but at least for the first interview to the last yeah he never held back he always tells the truth yeah you know what I mean it's, it's, it was really he's not good fabricating anything and yeah but he definitely he's, he seemed to trust me so that I think from there I got enough of the sort of the skeleton of the story and then you you know part, I guess part of the appeal or that that little extra bit that you need to sell a story to people that have never heard of the Cosmic Psychos. Yeah. Um, you need those big names. And for anyone that doesn't know the band or hasn't seen the movie, yeah. I guess the claim to fame for them is they got signed to Sub Pop and released a record um, in about 89, 90. So they became best mates with Eddie Vedder, Kurt Cobain, loved them. Yes. Yeah. I think in the last Rolling Stone magazine, well, the last mag- Rolling Stone article that was written about Kurt before he topped himself, the opening paragraph, something like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting at the waiting room at Kurt's house and there's a record on and I kind of want to know what record is sitting on his turntable. Yeah. And he went over and it was a Psycho's record. Yeah, right. So it's cool little things like that. Yeah, yeah. But also you kind of go, well, how the fuck did you put that on Doco? <laughs> um, but they just happened to stumble into that grunge scene a year before it became the biggest thing in the universe. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> and it's still, you know, Ross and Eddie talk a couple of times a month. You know what I mean? Yeah, they yeah. just texting each other, yeah. sending each other. Eddie Vedder keeps sending him all these gifts and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, I knew that I needed, <clears throat> I needed to get some of those dudes on camera. Yeah. Otherwise, I didn't have you know, you can't have a dude sitting there going, oh, we're Nirvana's favourite band. <laughs> you need Nirvana to say that. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, off the back of a, 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 a bro tour with me and Brett, my mate from McCain, yep. um, we decided to go on an epic adventure and I tacked onto the start of that. I'm going to interview as many people as I can in LA, Seattle and pick up some people along the way. And then we went off to Europe and, you know, yeah, with some cool grim churches of made like, out of yeah. skulls and crap like that. Yeah. And Brett does it. So Brett came and did sound. Mm-hmm. I took my camera. I'm, I'm, I'm a director that can operate a camera. Sure. I can press record on a, what is an okay framed yes. <laughs> shot and knew that I could do that essentially for the cost of going on a holiday. And yeah, that's right. a pretty cool way to spend a holiday. I so I got sent some contacts from everyone and um, sort of put the word out and everyone it's like I had more trouble getting interviews for, for Aussies saying yeah, right. you know no nah, I don't want to talk I don't want to you know what's the deal is there a fee hit up um, Butch Vig who recorded one of their records yeah. who also did Nirvana Nevermind yeah. every email I send him bang straight back in 10 minutes hey man that sounds awesome come over here's my address give me a call yeah here's my number it's like whoa butch figs in we're going to butch figs house <laughs> yeah went to you know email butch fig when we get to la mm. and uh 
hey, we're here, just letting you know, just checking if the time's okay. It'd probably take about 45 minutes from when we get there to leave. Yeah. Um, you know, is that cool? So he checks in, he goes, look, uh, things are a bit weird at the moment. My wife's brother just got murdered in Brazil. Jesus Christ. Like two days ago. Yeah. So things, are, and I'm like, like, whoa. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, totally fine. He's like, so yeah, I, I, I probably can only do like 45 minutes. I'm like, <laughs> we can postpone. He's like, no, 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 it's fine. You guys have come over and, yeah. you know, turn up. He's like, oh, I'm like, sorry to ask, but, you know, he's telling the story that, you know, just yeah. classic kidnapping and um, bush, you know. Yeah. Dude's dead. And like, oh, it's crazy. shocking and whatever. But, um, you know, look, I'm, I'm glad you guys are here. I had a great time. And bang! Get, just gave us everything. Yeah, it's great. And then off to deal with... Real know, life. Yeah, and I was like, fucking good dudes. Yeah. Um, picked up a few more interviews, headed up to Seattle. And I knew I needed an Eddie... Like, I needed an Eddie Vedder. Yeah. I'd basically been told Grohl didn't really remember the tour or didn't give a shit or... Sure. You know... It was, I mean, you know, it's sort of curd or nothing. Yeah. He wasn't available. Obviously. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, so I went to Seattle, had been chatting to, like, went through the right circles. He told Ross, love to be in it. Let me know. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'll go the right way. Give me the management contact. They'll let that all happen. Yeah. So I've got to Seattle, still, you know, trying to politely go, just like, you know, I'm now in Seattle. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm here for five days, anytime, any place. Drop of a hat, you yeah. know, if that's cool. So I think when we booked the trip, they were supposed to, Eddie Vedder was on a solo tour and was going to be in like Florida or something like that. Yeah, right. I'm like, wherever you've got like half an hour after sound check, we'll fly in. Like, yeah, yeah. cool little adventure. Kind of need him. Yeah. <laughs> need Eddie Vedder to go, Cosmi Psycho is a cool one. <laughs> and then I got a movie. Movie's better, then I got a movie that I can make someone go, oh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a weird mm. thing. Um, then I saw a news report, Eddie Vedder's hurt his, he's hurt his back or he's broken his arm or something like that. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> he's going to be back got in him. Seattle when I'm there. That was yeah. awesome. So, perfect situation. Anyway, <laughs> What a jerk. Good on it. Um, so get to Seattle. Okay, get to Seattle. All I've got lined up is an interview with Matt Lucan, the bass player from um, first bass player from Mud Honey. Yeah. And he also played in the Melvins. Okay. And so that's that's worth being there anyway. Yeah. Being a child of 1980, loving basketball, Seattle was my team. Sean Kemp like. Yeah, sure. Maybe it was a grunge situation as well, <laughs> but see, like Sean Kemp was my hero, and being in Seattle for the first time, I'm like, this is, this is sick. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but totally anxious of going. I've kind of wasted. Like, I've got to get. I've got to get an Eddie Vedder yeah. interview, but I can't be a jerk. But mm. I can't really do much more about it. <clears throat> so keep checking in. I feel like they they hit me back occasionally, like the management saying, if you can do it, we'll let you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, perfect. <laughs> okay, great. So go to meet Matt Lucan and it's rap. Yeah. Like, turn up. Hey, good to see you. Whatever. I've heard a lot of cool stories about him. It's sure. just that he's crazy, but yeah. totally lovely and crazy. <laughs> um, so turn up, set up my gear and he goes, have you heard from Matt? Mm. I'm like, well, you know, like the diplomatic 
Yes. Apparently, I'm going to hear if he's available. He's like, oh, he just called me and said uh, he can't be here for like an hour, but if I don't mind sticking around, he can, he'll come here. Yeah. And I'm like, that'll be fine. <laughs> and something told me like, bring every battery. Yeah. Bring all your shit. Don't like, normally I'd only take enough for the one interview or whatever. Or yeah. And something just told me, I'll just, I'll take everything, all yeah. my questions. Yeah. So, did Lucan, got an awesome interview for what I needed. Yeah. And then Eddie Vedder turned up and yeah. hung out, drank a case, talked for like an hour and a half. Yeah. And then um, reenacted the 50 cent yes. coin game, which for those of you that haven't heard, the psychos took, they didn't invent, but a classic old pub drinking type game that they took and made very popular with that scene of band <laughs> is a game where you put a, have a glass on the floor and you stick a 50 cent coin in your ass <laughs> ideally with your pants on and uh, you clench it with your butt cheeks and you have to walk across the room and then drop it into the glass so <laughs> I got to walk out of Matt Lucan's house with footage of the two of them nailing the 50 cent coin game including <laughs> Matt Lucan taking his pants off and doing it so which is inevitably the way that the um, <laughs> the game goes but um, yeah so after that, sort of did the crowdfunding thing, got distribution, yeah. you know, picked up at Melbourne Film Festival, mm -hmm. and it did great. And yeah. I guess the, the exciting thing, well, I'm really proud of how it came out. Yeah. And um, for the band, you know, they were sort of just doing Planet the Tote for yeah. eight bucks and get a crowd, yeah. but it kind of fallen off the radar. Mm. and um, since the movie came out they've been doing sold out hi-fi bar type yeah it's like totally revived shows, and they're just having the best time ever yeah. and I um, off the back of that I booked a tour around the cinema release yeah. where they'd be doing like it was with the distributor as well but I sure. sort of turned into tour manager where we'd go to a Q&A before the film screening that would be on at like 6pm and then the band would play that night at a at a venue like, yeah sure and um so after we did that tour they're like um you know they're like well, what are we going to do after this tour mm. like oh, i'll give you some oh, some guys yeah yeah and they're like you're not going anywhere <laughs> so you're in now essentially i'm the i'm i'm now the manager <laughs> which is um Such funny a, it's a funny way that you've fallen into yeah looking after it's the cool. cosmic circuit it's fun yeah, that's yeah. sick. No, yeah, that's like, I mean, obviously, I, I really like the movie. It's fucking awesome. It's like, it's it's sick to see. I thought it was good because, like, as you said, I think a lot of music documentaries often have, there's a totally an ulterior motive to why it's being released. Like, I don't think, I think it's rarely ever just, oh, this is an interesting thing, an interesting story to tell. It's often well, there's a story here, but this record's coming out, so yeah. let's fucking film it. So. Well, and I think that's... The good docos are the ones where there's the, that third dimension or it's that other yeah. element. And it's... You know, there's nothing interesting now about a band of friends getting together, writing some records and releasing it. Like, yeah. that couldn't be any more bland. Yeah. Like, well, because everyone... And, and that's the thing. <laughs> if someone died in the band... 
Yeah. We've all heard that story 500 times. Like, yeah, yeah. It's got to be some other Something's got to be there. And that, like, I, I got lucky with the Ross thing. Yeah. Essentially, I made a documentary on Ross Knight. Yeah. Uh, you know, unbeknownst to him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, and it, and it was by accident. Like, a year into... A year into... I, I probably... It, the doco's made up of six hour-ish long interviews with him. Yeah. And after, like, closer to that year ending, Yeah. when I really had his trust and I knew where the edit was going, Yeah. that's when I knew I could make sure that he'd open up about his best mate, Robbie, who died of a heroin overdose. Yeah. Or his, you know, the woman that was the love of his life. Yeah. A bondage <laughs> mistress yeah. from yes. New York. Yeah. The most, you know, the polar opposite of his life. Yeah. You know, I, I, that's when I knew that, you know, you don't, you don't ask that stuff after One you know, shaking someone's hand. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, um, heroin. Um, <laughs> Uh, How did that affect your life? Yeah, but one of the interviews, he's like, oh, I'm going to have to postpone the interview. I forgot I'm, I got a weightlifting thing on. Yeah. I'm like, a what? Yeah. It's like, I'm lifting in the Victorian championships for the weightlifting thing. I'm like, you know, I'm making a fucking movie on you. Like, <laughs> not that you, you not that you need to report everything to me. He's yeah. like, well, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, I think you think that I'm making a movie about the band (laughs) and that was that thing like I'm like oh okay can I film like got some contacts and went and filmed him lifting yeah uh, winning the over 50s you know his weight division yeah he broke the Victorian record for weightlifting yeah and it's like yeah it's like oh I just do that yeah so I have the strength to lift my son yeah like it's all those different elements that were not intended but just getting to yeah. Talk to the dude and, exp- you know, asking him about that stuff. It's yeah. Like, Whoa. And so what, what's, what's the, um, what's the goal there for the psychos now? Like, is it just, they've obviously got a new record coming out. Is it just, you know, fucking gigging and having fun or? For me, it's, I really enjoy, I'd call all of them like best mates now. Yeah. And, for me, I feel like all I am is the filter yeah. to be able to make them be able to do what they do because mm. they should be doing what they're doing. Yeah. It's making a lot of people happy Yeah, and they fucking love it. Sure. And they've got a few very simple rules to keep things happy that yeah. are kind of the same rules that we probably all have as well. Is yeah. They don't, they don't believe that they, their stuff, their gigs should be expensive. Yeah. Which is funny when bands of the same era are now like, the, like the Sunny Boys and that. Yeah. It's like a sixty dollar ticket. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, yeah. twenty five bucks. Like that's yeah. that's really cheap. Yeah. But that's fine. Yeah. Um, and they've got to have at least four slabs a show. Yeah. And it goes. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they don't want to fly at six in the morning, and it's very simple. Yeah. But it's. You know, it's a weekend away. Like, none of them are making any money. Yeah. Um, you know, they get a bit of cash in the pocket after with after a merch sale. But yeah. when it comes down to it, it's more being able to... Like Ross is, we did the Big Day Out tour. Yeah. Ross brought his kids the whole time. Yeah. And that was <laughs> awesome. Like, yeah. for me to go... Like, it wasn't much for me to have to help facilitate that. Yeah. But, you know, 
I can't imagine the responsibility of having kids, yeah. let alone two, including one that was disabled, yeah. and going, we're going on the big day out tour. Yeah. <laughs> They're coming. Yeah. That's what's happening. Yeah. And that's like, for me, that was amazing to watch and mm. see how it wasn't an inconvenience to anyone. Yeah. And didn't stop anything from happening. And it made it real fun. Yeah, like sick. you know what I mean. Like no compromise. Yeah, costs extra money. Don't care. Yeah, like that's not that's, that's never what, what it's been about. Yeah, and that's that's really cool. Like, and I, I mean, I guess that's the thing. It's of no benefit to me other than it's real fun. Mm. That's um, sick. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's awesome that that's that from a conversation about just doing something like oh, you know maybe we should make a movie. Yeah, this is now turned into like this. Well, it's, thing. it's, it's interesting it's really and I don't awesome. I, I'd be interested to know what you think about this too but like it's hard to talk about music you know like, like yeah. you know why you like if you start to get you know real deep about shit yeah like why do we do it mm. and it's and you think about the inconvenience and how like the financial cost and yeah, yeah. you know kind of going oh we're playing in Sydney yeah. and then th- and we're going to drive 10 hours <laughs> yeah you know fart stinking van yeah. to eat crap food and then be grumpy and yeah. sore to play for half an hour yeah. and then turn back around and drive home yeah. and go, that was sick. Yeah, like, was why would you do that? Like, yeah. And I think, and especially from the video <coughs> perspective as well, yeah. you know, it's that thing in your gut that for some reason you've got to get it. Like there's, there's a, you feel guilty if you don't, or, you know, yeah. I mean, it's that drive or that, yeah, I, I don't know. That's that's always been. Why like, do you, why do we do it, mate? Fucking, I don't know, dude. I really don't. Know. I mean, the the thing for me is that, like, it doesn't. No matter who says what or whatever comes about, I like, and yeah, no matter how much money you get offered to do things, like I still always have the same feeling of like excitement when we book a show that I'm looking forward to. Like, I have the same feeling of, like, oh, I get to see my fucking mates. Like, I get to see these five idiots that are, like, my best friends for, you know, <clears throat> 12 hours. Yeah. And we're going to be asleep for six of them <laughs> in a car. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And, like, like we're going to make no money. I've taken a day off work. So, I've lost money yeah, to yeah, go yeah, to do yeah, this yeah. thing. So, the band can make a couple hundred dollars or whatever that will inevitably blow on the car and, you know, yeah. like, but it, it's just, it's one of those things, like, it's really, like, it's something that I will never be able to wrap my head around why I think these things are a good idea. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, I the one that always stands out to me was when I was playing in Outright and I was also playing in Sex Wizard at the time from Adelaide yeah. and um, Sex Wizard booked these shows and Jigsy was like, rang me. He's like, oh, we got to book flights for these shows now. There's a Jetstar sale on. I can get your whole trip for four shows for $150. And I was like, book it, dude. Go ahead. And he was like, okay, it's done. And then Yell's messaged me like 10 minutes later. And she's like, outright just got asked to play both the Refuse shows in Melbourne. Um, here's the dates. And I was like, just booked a four-day dumb tour with sex wizard for those exact dates and she was like oh really you can't like you don't want to play these refuges i'm like well obviously i do want to play the biggest shows this band has ever played but also i just 
booked a hundred fifty dollar flight tickets, and I was like, "Sorry, I can't do it. I gotta go play these dumb shows." I don't have a great time. Like I'm sure the Refuse shows were sick. I'm not a big fan of Refuse or whatever, but at yeah. the same time, I had a great time just fucking around in a van with yeah, these yeah, idiots yeah. from Adelaide that I'm friends with. Like, and then in hindsight, I'm like, "Why did I go do that for yeah. four days?" Like. Yeah. I'm stoked I did, but the adult side of my brain is like, that's four days of work. And like, you could have seen your girlfriend. But that's, <laughs> like, the, that's the fun thing I think now though, is when you do look like, you know, we're starting to get older. Yeah. We're not getting younger. No. But even like today that, uh, they've, um, dragged out the nation blue story of, I dislocated yeah, yeah. my knee cap in the first, we toured with the Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. I dislocated my kneecap in the first show. Yeah. Ten years later, Dave Grohl's done the same thing. So everyone's... Well, everyone. Ten people have gone, oh, they're trying to rip you off. <laughs> and that's kind of fun. And we're doing a benefit <coughs> show for a mate next week. Yeah. And we're doing a rare gig. For, well, not not rare. A regular Nation Blue gig, which is... <laughs> Every you know, it's as, yeah. as often as Mindsnet play. Yeah. Um, and it kind of worked out well. Yeah. But it is that thing of going, as stupid as that stuff is, that's the stuff that's fun to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> like, I if know. I didn't do that, what would I have done? I would have watched The Sopranos Season 2, which was new at the time. <laughs> yeah. But it's inter- I find that interesting as well now, because I feel like around... Where are we? Like, around the end of the 2000s, mm. 2010... Yeah. I started to crack the shits with Nation Blue stuff. Yeah. And I got to a point where I'm like, we got to album four. Like we were saying before, we did the Foo Fighters tour, did the old bar, didn't sell it out. Yeah, Not yeah. that it's about turnouts, but it's about like, well, what have you got to do yeah. for things to come different? Yeah. And for us, it was becoming a bit of a, like, it's always amazing when you play. Yeah. But it's just that other time, the, the 23 and a half hours around that half an hour set. Yeah. For us, at least, or for me, it was becoming a bit of a groundhog day because yeah. we've all, you know, we've we've well and truly cut Adelaide out of touring, out of the at touring yes. thing. All of or, or or your mates from Adelaide now live in Melbourne, so, so you don't know to visit. Yeah. All your mates from Perth that have booked your gigs and stuff have moved to Melbourne. Yeah. And you're playing the same venues. Yeah. And it's getting harder, and you know, I I kind of got to a point we didn't break up. Yeah. But I'd said, I don't want to play for a year. Yeah. I don't want to focus on making it, trying to make a movie. And yeah. Everyone was just cracking shit. Exploring so your start, other you know, Exactly. And, you know, things shift. You grow, dif- grow different yeah. and that kind of thing. And I got to a point where I didn't, like, I'd not given up on music. Yeah. But it was like, I really can't be bothered with the band stuff yeah. anymore. Because, like, that, that discussion of going, all my... All my best mates, if I sat and broke it down, yeah, I know f- from being in a band, yeah, or from you know like the, when we our first gig in Brisbane, we got picked up by some random dude who just got recommended to us who let us stay at his house. Yeah, one of my best mates did. Like yeah, all yeah. those, you, you're, I'm sure you're the same. Yeah. Everyone else has everyone been on this I, podcast. Everyone I know is from playing in a band, yeah. basically. But like, I kind of got that. I got over that after doing ten years of that. Yeah, and it was it was until a few years ago, like nation, you know, and then we'd go, hey, let's do one nation blue show, yeah, and that became real fun, yeah, because yeah. it was one, yeah, <laughs> and you know, it, it, you didn't have to get into that or the other side of it that then gets a bit harder, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. And then I got a call from Karina. Yeah. Who said, hey, I'm thinking of starting a new band. Yeah. Which, you know, everything that she said was the opposite of what I believed. Yeah. But it was like getting that call for the saying, do you want to play this weird show? It was like that opportunity of like, I want to do something and it could be different to what your experience of what you've been doing was. And like, we went out and she had the same feeling from her Young and Restless days. Mm. Of she didn't want to do that. Like they had a pretty, they killed it, but they had a bad experience. Yeah, yeah. From being put, like managed by people that were in a bit more of a dancey scene. Yeah, yeah. Wanting to head this metal way that was there, what they listened to. Yeah. Kind of, getting pushed into this what dance beat the pop music sort of stuff yeah 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 and you know she starts screaming in the recording and they're like do you want to try that with a singing <laughs> bit yeah. yeah so a bit of a rebellion of all that and it was it was like it was like an adult punk discussion yeah yeah of going well we all work let's not like I don't want to drive to Sydney ever again yeah yeah I don't be a dick but let's Why? all yeah. but let's all chuck 50 bucks in yeah. We'll fly at 7 p.m. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, let's, if we're going to do it, let's enjoy it and make it the new version of, you know, there's there's no novelty in sleeping on floors in Sydney after you've done it every year for 15 years. I mean, there isn't and there isn't. But, yeah. But when all those friends that you sleep on their floor now have three kids, <laughs> you can't like that's that kind of hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a different kind of um, pressure. Yeah. So that's sort of where the high tension thing came, like, and that's been a new, like, a refreshed, yeah, change for, for that vibe of yeah, like, sick. but still, I'm mean, stupid. Like, why? It's really stupid. You yeah. should just go work at a bank or something. I'm gonna get a beer, and then we can continue talking about high tension. I'll have another one. Do you want this one, or do you want a colder one? Let's have a cold one. Okay, I'll put this one. <sighs> you can take that one. So, high tension. You obviously talked about how it began. Um, but yeah, so I remember when you first started, you guys first started doing it, you, we had spoken about how you, you guys definitely had like a pretty defined plan for how you wanted to do the band. You wanted yeah. to use the knowledge that you'd all collectively learned yeah, yeah, yeah. and not do all those things that yeah. you had done yeah. in the past. Is that something that's like carried on? through the band so far now like pretty well I guess it was just trying to be smart yeah and knowing you know I guess the being lucky from a video perspective of being involved in not necessarily feeling like the devil but involved in marketing campaigns yeah yeah and having to do videos for ads and that or doing ads yourself yeah but sort of going well the sum of its parts you know, we can either just play on a Tuesday night yeah, and go and build up with supports mm. or we can all save a bit of money and we can record. We'll just keep jamming. Yeah. And we'll record a seven inch. Yeah. Or four songs. And we'll announce the band with a seven inch ready to buy and a music video. Yeah, yeah. So that everyone gets everything as you would with any other new release. Yeah. We just cut to that chase mm. instead of, you know, I mean, it's like, cause that's the thing. It, it's not like you can go, Oh, we're going to do some gigs to save some money. It's like, yeah. where are you playing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got a job on a ship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 
um, that was the approach and it worked really well. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think, um, like of all the bands I've been involved in, I've still never had that kind of impact that the first music video had. Yeah. And I think it worked from the perspective of here is a, you know, a beautiful petite Asian girl. Yeah. Woman. Yes. Sorry. Um, <laughs> making that sound. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, you know, while dressed to the nines and yeah, in yeah. heels, like just not, not here. I think she was wearing heels in the clip, which she's never seen. It's, it's, she's always wears Vans. It's like, wear, wear Vans in. Um, but I guess that was the thing. It had that element of people going, fuck, watch this. Yeah, yeah. I guess that was the thing because mm. it spread real quick and it yeah, was great. Sure. So it sort of meant, because that was the thing, we don't want to, not to be lazy, but if you're going to go to Sydney, you don't want to have to come home having it having cost you 500 bucks. Yeah. If you can go and you can share a crap hotel and have your flights paid for yeah that's that's winning <laughs> like, yeah it's fucking awesome that's the ultimate of success yeah yeah that's as that's as good as i think you can get <laughs> well, hopefully yeah and so was the like was there for high tension was there like a plan of uh, like how you were going to attack it musically or did that sort of that just like that just rolled naturally from the people involved yeah there was no well, and I'm sure you've done the same thing. You know, you can spend a lot of time talking about it. Yeah. But once, you know, like we were talking before, like I was, we were having the conversation about the podcast world and how, how's yeah, it going yeah. and, yeah. you know, whether you, I think a lot of the times you plan, you can plan things to stop the voices in your head. Yeah. And then you just, once you're doing it, you're doing it. Yeah. And that's what, it's instinct and it's your gut. Yeah. And it's hard to plan a music thing. You, can, oh, yeah. you know, you can send each other records and go, I want to be like this band or yeah. well, this that, song's I mean, sick. That's but... what happened with I Exist. Like when we started I Exist, I was like, oh, I'd like, I really like Tragedy and like those DVD sort of crust punk bands. And then after like a year, the songs had blues riffs in them. And it was like, yeah, eh, like, yeah. I like I had got a lot. <laughs> that just bled into it as soon as it possibly could. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and the, you know, High tension is the result of the sum of its parts. Yeah. Karina has to get out this screaming banshee voice that she's been oppressed on. Yeah. For sure, sure. she ever wanted to do being a Canberra kid was being a band like, or play a gig with Four Dead. Yeah. That's her. That was her. Yes. That was, that was ultimate goal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Damien's coming from the amazing back catalogue of bands that he's come from. So, me and him from a musical rhythm section gelling point. Yeah. You know, like it's hard for me playing with Dan McKay. Yeah. Drummer from the nation blue. It's like, I still think, you know, there's not many better drummers in the world. I yeah. reckon Than him. Sure. Thankfully, I found the, <laughs> if, the other guy. You know, the, the equal best is, yeah. uh, Damien in a very different perspective. Sure. And, um, and then there's a weird element to high tension, which is Karina's childhood friend, Ash, who was in Young and Restless, yeah. who only listens to 90s right girl music. Yeah. And so the Karina and me and Damien all bond on, you know, me and Karina went to the Napalm Death Show. Yeah, yeah. All listening to the same kind of, I don't know why that's something to bond on, but that's, that's, like, that, that, <laughs> that's the latest record that the two of us have been freaking out over, like the new Napalm. It's like, yeah. how, like, 
you know in old bands it's, you, your favourite stuff's the new stuff it's pretty rare yeah. yes, that <laughs> you is still want to go back to the classics but you're yeah. like that new record the fucking record is fucking awesome yeah um, so that's the stuff that we're all bonding over mm. and Ash is still going you know all Ash is Ash hates that stuff yeah but somehow in high tension, it all kind of it's working out. crunches in. And it's, yeah. I think it's liberating to me because Nation Blue after was very much a, it all, like a lot of the songwriting process was a jam out thing. Yeah, right. And maybe Tom did a lot of the homework, but it was always a jam out kind of, let's go to rehearsal and see what happens and try this and sure. share it around. And then as each record progressed up till the last one. Yeah. I wouldn't say it, it's it's like the songs are written. Yeah. You know, there's a there's it's not quite here's your bass tabs. Yeah. But it's the Tom show. Sure. Even to the point of like this is my song to sing on. Yeah, yeah. And that's fine. Like that's so the band it, Yeah. And I think that you know, it's and maybe that's part of the way I've not that I've checked out of Nation Blue World, but it's mm. you know, it's it has ran its course and it's that thing of going if you're going to keep doing something, it's got to count. Yeah, yeah. And we've just recorded a new record. Still got to do vocals. Yeah, sick. That still happened. But high tension, however, I had that flashback to the first jams with Nation Blue. Where yeah, right. There's no rules. Like, there's no... We're not in any shadow. Yeah. Short of, you know, it's going to be weird if I... If we put out something that sounds like Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> but cool. Yes. Um, so that that's been really fun and liberating and you know like we had plans but early on we sort of jam there's some big doomy jam out things that me and Damo stoked on that Karina's yeah. like this sucks <laughs> and you know a lot of the times it might be Ash bringing in riffs that will not want to be rude but like yeah it's pretty cool do you want to do you want to down tune and <laughs> you know do you want to cut the back of that out and you yeah. know just because it's there's no right or wrong but yeah you just you need know. to find your feet in it first. Exactly. And then, yeah. then now we've just finished another record and it's uh, it feels like we're in... We're, we, we know what's... Whatever high tension is. Yeah, yeah. You know, if something doesn't fit. Yeah, well, now, you know, the first record is always moulding your sound and then the reception to your first record <laughs> is, oh, so that's what people did or didn't yeah. like and this is where we now do or don't like those parts and after playing shows, you then realise, like, this sounds shit live or this sounds fucking totally. awesome live. We totally. need to do that more, do that less. Um, but funnily enough, some of those lessons then in the new Nation Blue stuff, yeah, it's the same lessons that the Nation Blue have learned. Like, yeah. like there's still involvement from me and Dan. Like there's yeah, yeah. arrangements and whatever, the odd sure. riff. But even there, it's like first few records, the song wouldn't feel done until it went for seven minutes and... Yeah. You know, if it doesn't have six bits, you're being lazy. Yeah, yeah. And now it's more about how do you... What's the tightest and quickest way that you can, you know, make this make it rule? Yeah, yeah. Like, no, like, no fat. Mm. Which is, you know, from a story perspective, that's the world of film as well. Yeah, yeah, you know? sure. Why are we... You know, just because the song goes for five minutes, the best bit's when it kicks at two minutes. yeah. Why don't we start it at one fifty eight? Like yeah, let's yeah. fuck that off. Let's just you know what I mean? It's all context. Or it's yeah, or yeah. let's do the slow build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get sure. them comfortable and then bash them up the wazoo. Like yeah. that it's all that kind of 
context yeah. stuff that's sort of fun I, I, where things are at it's, now. It's really interesting that like different parts of your life though you see informing that though because yeah. I think that's probably true of anyone they may just not realize it. Yeah, yeah, as yeah. Well, you know, like yeah, I would say that. I mean, a huge thing for me is like the patience that I've learned from working with kids has related yeah, yeah. so well to the patience that you have to have in doing anything creative yeah, because yeah. nothing happens overnight ever. Yeah, yeah, like, for sure. <laughs> any modicum of success or any like delivery of anything is always like, you've got to wait one entire week to receive an email reply from anybody. And, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, I think that like, you know, the fact that I'm inevitably have become like the boss of the band that I'm in is because everyone else is just like, ah, whatever. So yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. okay, someone's got to do it. And that's the same thing with every other job I've ever had. It's just been like, well, I'm just in charge now like, <laughs> because no one else is doing it. So <laughs> that's me now. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's cool. It's true though. Yeah. Well, and then it becomes about, it's not about the result. Yeah. It's about that. It's the journey, man. Yeah. Like, if you if you like, I don't want to rehearse. Rehearsing sucks. <laughs> yeah. But it is fun. Yeah, fucking nice. And it's, you know, in, in some ways, the album release or whatever, it's all let down. But Ooh. it's real fun doing it. Or it's getting you to getting weird there. places. Seeing all the things you create out of it. Yeah. Stuff as well. So I guess the, the only other thing that I wanted to, like, touch on as well was, like, kind of that you said, is that, like, the... Um, like, I guess you you personally have struck on, like, a winning combination with High Tension in the sense that you are a director and you're capable of making music videos. It's something you do as a career. And the music videos that you've done and stuff, I would argue that that's, you know, like... The a, greatest... Yeah. A, a huge portion... Yes. Sorry. A huge portion of the push that High Tension has had has been because of those music videos. Like, that's been an enormous part of yeah. your band. Yeah. Like... um you know, I, I just, you know, I really like that. That's how I saw your band grow from obviously having conversations with you yeah. before you started doing anything with yeah. it. But where it came to now, it's just like, like that's what people associate the band with is like yeah. these awesome music videos. Mm. Like, is that something now that you're like, that you're aware of and that you're putting, you know, you put importance into as well? Or is that something that just sort of like naturally flowed through? Uh, I think it's natural, but it's hard because... I guess it's when you step back and you look at it and it, you know, it's that inevitable whinge where you go, how does a band like the the Bronx isn't the right example because the Bronx are great, Yeah. but they come to Australia and they do better here than they do in America. Yeah. Maybe I think it's caught up now. Yeah. Right. But they come here and they, they're selling out massive venues. Yeah. But, the band supporting them sometimes. Sure, this is a terrible example after talking about the Bronx, but <laughs> well, like the Mark of Cain sell yeah. out the Hi-Fi. That's a, maybe that's a better one. Okay. Good band. Mm-hmm. What are those eight hundred people doing when I exist? Are playing at the Reverence? Yeah, yeah. Or you know what I mean? Like you kind of go, "There's a shit ton better band than that." Yeah. Even though there's people that are like, "That's who I saw when I was sixteen, and it's yeah, still." Yeah. It's that sentimental thing. Sure. And or when like that kind of moment um, 
when all the American punk bands started to tour, like around like early two thousands, before it became every week there's five yeah that's true. overseas so many touring bands yeah and the bands weren't that great but if you if you're from America sold out yeah yeah like, and it's it's it, you know what I mean there's got to be that extra element yeah and at least now it's that thing of well you can if you've got a good video yeah that stands out yeah that can be worth way more than or you can appeal like, like if you can cheat your production values yeah because no one's got any money to spend on it yeah if you can cheat your production values, you look like a world-class band. Yeah. And I guess that's the thing. Like, that's all yeah. that a major label's going to do. They're going to they're gonna launch a band with the big video. Yeah, so, sure. You know, I mean, that, and then going back to childhood, like you said, all that your stuff was off MTV. Yeah, yeah. I taped Rage every weekend. Yeah, yeah. And made compilation videos off the second video deck <laughs> to go... <laughs> You know, like like making a mixtape. Yeah, was, these are the videos yeah. that I like. Yeah, and you start diving. You know, whatever they'll. They, you know, I'm sure you still remember. Like, I saw a helmet clip or I saw a Jesus lizard. Yeah, clip yeah, and yeah. You're just For like, sure. what the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah. So if it can break through like that, that I know it's it's very important, but then it's hard too because I'm now staring down like the sixth high tension video. Yeah. I'm like, well, I can't do performance anymore. Yeah, you got to do something else now. And I don't, we don't have money. Yeah. And you need, like, I've got favours, but it still costs money. Mm. You know? Yeah. And I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> and and you I've have got, a real life And I've well. got real jobs yeah. on, and it never really works out time-wise. Like, yeah. I've got to sneak out. The next clip, I think, is going to be, is lining up to be cool if what is lined up happens sure but it might fall on its ass and yeah. i'll rescue it and it'll be fine but again it's like you know the sixth video can't just be about the band shredding yeah and yeah. and you know look at this voice coming out of this woman yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> that 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 you gotta bounce off the, something the, else the youtube counts yeah. v- views prove that that doesn't matter anymore yeah um yeah i don't know it's it's hard and and, and it's hard now because if you post something on Facebook, you've got to pay for someone to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. So it's hard to break. Th- I don't know. It's hard to break through. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that like, yeah, I would say that, you know, it's, it's exciting seeing people doing things differently and it's exciting seeing people using that medium yeah. for something more than just this is our the advertisement for yeah. the record. Yeah. You know? Whereas with the Psychos, yeah. that's easy. Like, yeah, yeah. I just got to make the music video that I have always wanted to make. Yeah, yeah, sure. And they have they have a budget. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm going to pull all the favours in the world and I can pull favours because I'm going to say, Cosmic Psycho is shooting on your farm. Yeah. But, you know, that clip, if we quoted it, the, the, so the last clip I just did for be, called Better Not Bitter mm-hmm. with um, where Fitzy gets his head blown off. Yeah. Very um, gory. For yeah. Video. Like that was, I think we spent three, three and a half grand on it. Mm-hmm. No one got paid, but yeah. you know, by the time you pay for fuel, food, um, the 80% discount on camera rental, <laughs> all that stuff, it like yeah. that adds up. Yeah. And um you know, Fitzy didn't take any money. He yeah. didn't even want to be paid for his flights. Like yeah, wow. that kind that's of stuff. Awesome. And that was rat. And that's, but that's easy. That's like, I got to make the video of the characters that they 
have yeah. developed. Yeah. And we're just about to lock down the next music video. Yeah, sure. Which is a animation yeah. for the song called Bum Checky Bum for Grubs. <laughs> which is so again me completely <laughs> indulging myself. But you know, yeah. it's like it's gonna work. Mm. It's cost fuck all. Yeah. It's cost the same as an AO poster run. Yeah. And they'll do another tour off it. Yeah. And their fans will love it. Yeah. The band will go, that's unreal. Oh, they've already seen it. They think it's the best <laughs> thing ever. Yeah. And everyone got, like, I got to get, like, I wish I could make cartoons. It's the one yeah. thing I can't, I can, I can draw dicks and, <laughs> you know, that's about it. There might be a music video on that. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, it's the one thing I, I really do feel that I wish I could still learn, you sure. know, maybe, you know, I've, I'd love to do it, but to be able to direct an animator that I have, like to write a story and do crap ghetto sketches and hand it to yeah. a brilliant artist and then fire back proper, you know, yeah, boards. Yeah. This is Lewis who did the animation for the, um, in the Cosmic Psychos doco. Yeah, yeah. A lot of sequences were animated mm-hmm. and we've just bonded over Ren and Stimpy and that yeah, 2D fun. era. And, so and awesome. it doesn't, you know, it's not done as much at least that I'm aware of. Yeah. And um, so work like collaborating with him that, you know, that's a whole new music kind of collaboration. Kind yeah, of, yeah. It's like, Sick. it's like being in a band like that doing the film stuff is kind of like being in a band. Like, yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's, a, well, it's awesome that it's linked so well for, yeah. for both interests. For sure. For sure. Um, all right. Well, I think that's pretty good. Fucking good. Still awake? Yeah, I think we are. Um, all right. Well, do you have anything you want to advertise to the world of the internet? I'll probably put this online tomorrow or something, I think. So. Well, there's a good gig coming up that I exist to play. Oh, fucking oath, mate. Yeah. And my next show. Yeah, my that's next, your next gig? That's my next You didn't book any other gigs off the back? We've no. got seven <laughs> gigs coming up. I have not. Yeah. Oh. Well, High Tension's album's about to come out, and then we're doing a quick tour. Yep. Planet Howler with I Exist and Outbreaks. Fuck yeah. And, um, you know. Sydney as well. Sydney and Brisbane too. Yeah, Newtown Social Club and yep. Crowbar. Sick. Both great places. And then, uh, you know, more shit. Fuck yeah. <laughs> more psychos things too. Vid- this video, obviously. Well, they're in, Perth, they're in Adelaide right now. Yeah, they're just finishing up. They've just done a tour with the June Rats, mm-hmm. which and has been uh, well. a crazy, crazy, hilarious thing. Fuck yeah! Could have gone either way, but they are absolutely lovers now. Yep, that's great. I think Ross sees a lot of himself in those kids, and yep. they are like to have the Cosmic Psychos. I'm like, how, oh, how did like, I've I've been moving, and uh, we just did a tour with King with King Parrot that overlapped. So I haven't. Sure. It's the first tour since I've been involved that I haven't been there and so it's made me a bit anxious but it's all worked out yeah got a great tour manager with Big Al from the Bowen down the Bowen Club who does lots of tour managing stuff yeah and um you know it's like oh how's it going with them but hearing the psychos go oh I'm a bit worried about they they go pretty hard (laughs) like like to hear them say that yeah is like watching dudes actually demolish slabs each yeah Jesus. and then like and get up at 9am like you know what I mean it's like the rock star chat and yeah. then watching it actually happen and going oh fuck that no one yeah. can do that yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. 
It's like, no, after a gig, you're supposed to go and get some food. And then go to bed. <laughs> yeah, go to bed. <laughs> and do it again. <laughs> and whinge about not getting any sleep. Yeah. It's about sick. snacks. Okay. Well, thank you for doing the podcast. Thank you for indulging me. All right. Mad. Brutal. Cheers.